You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Don't you love the fall of the year when the weather's cool and crisp? <laughs> kind of felt like fall this morning, didn't it? You know. I have a friend that I made recently. He's a pastor. We got to spend a few days together a couple of months ago. He called me last week and he said, hey, I got to tell you a story. He said, well, let me start back here. He said, I have a guy who attends my church and he loves the book of Psalms. And so we were talking about the Psalms and, and I asked him, I said, what, what Psalm would you use if you wanted to help someone come to know Jesus? Uh, if a person was ready to be forgiven of sin, uh, what Psalm would you use? And he said, we talked a little bit and we finally agreed that Psalm 51, you remember the language, your unfailing love, oh God, you are compassionate. Against you I have sinned, cleanse me, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Snow is pretty white, but I'll be whiter, whiter even than snow. And so he said, I kind of had that in my mind, and all while that was happening, I was having another conversation with a guy who attended my church who asked me if I would meet with a friend of his He's really going through a hard time. He wants to talk to a pastor. I told him I'd reach out to you. And so we'd set up that appointment. But the day before the appointment, I was given a couple of tickets to a baseball game. And I really wanted to go. And he said, I decided what I would do is just move that appointment to a day later. Everything should be fine. But when I thought in my mind about doing that, I felt checked in my spirit. I kind of felt like God was saying, no. He said, you know, busy, and so you get an opportunity to do something like that. Sometimes you, you move your appointments around and you do it. And, and I thought, no big deal. Again, I think I'll just, I think I'll go to that game. But again, I felt like God was talking to me. I felt kind of checked in my spirit that I shouldn't do that, that I should keep that appointment. And so he said, I, I didn't do it. I felt so strongly that I'd I just gave the tickets on, passed them on to someone else and said, it's, I'm not going to go. I'm going to keep this appointment. He said, I remember before the guy came into my office about 30 minutes, his friend called me and said, hey, I, you're meeting with my buddy today. And he says, yeah. And he says, well, it's, it's going to be great. He says, you play golf? And he said, yeah. He says, you know what a tap-in is? It's a putt that's sitting right by the hole. You don't even have to think about it. You couldn't miss it if you had to. You just, it's just a tap-in. He said, I think this guy's a tap-in. And he said, I wasn't for sure what he meant by it. But my friend has only been at his church for a little while, and he's praying like crazy that God will use him, and God is doing great things at his church. And he's seeking the Lord with all of his heart. And I feel like it's evident that the Spirit is leading them, and good things are happening. And he says, this guy comes in, and he sits down in my office, and he's messed up. Sin has overwhelmed his life, and he's losing a lot because of it, even his family, his marriage, and he's devastated. And he said, finally, I said to him, you know what? I think the Spirit has been working in your heart and in my heart days before today, and he has brought this together. And he said, I had a conversation with a friend the other day about the words that I think I should share with you. And he said, I opened Psalm 51, and God, you are 
gracious in your love and you are compassionate against you. I have sinned, but cleanse me and I will be clean. Wash me. I will be whiter than snow. And I asked him, do you want to pray? And he said, Pastor, I don't, I don't really know how to do that. And he said, here's how you pray. And I listened to that man just open his heart to God. And he was forgiven. And his countenance changed. And he has made a commitment to follow Jesus and live in this newfound faith. Is that, is that how it all works? That whole thing I just talked to you about, is that, is that what happens? Is it where, like, we, we seek God, we, we pray, maybe even fast. We have this sense of urgency. We need God. We want to see God move, you know what I'm saying? And then the Spirit is speaking, leading, setting things up, working things out, talking to us, saying, uh-uh, <laughs> Keep the appointment. And as we obey, then we see God move in ways that we never really dreamed we would see God move in. Is that, is that what it looks like? It's what it looked like at the church in Antioch. We've been talking about the church for a few weeks. And I, I, I just have to tell you that sometimes I am amazed when I think about this little group of despised people these early believers following this Jew named Jesus into this new religion of Christianity, this despised people who didn't have a chance in the world, <laughs> I mean, didn't have a chance in the world at becoming anything. But yet, by the time you get to a few centuries later, it is the religion of the Roman Empire, the greatest empire in the world at the time. And it's continued to grow year after year after year after year until it has spread like wildfire across the world. What, what, what was it about that, that church? Those early believers, what was it? And we've been asking the question, are we Antioch today? So, capital C Church, the church in the world today, is it Antioch? The church in America today, is it Antioch? The Nazarene church in America, is it Antioch? Bethany, first church, are we like Antioch? Are we anything like that church? Because if you want to look at what characterizes that church, we've talked about them living like this, inviting people into a relationship with Jesus and into the community of faith, right? And we've talked about how that they just invested Saul and Barnabas, they said, we're going to stay here for a whole year. We're going to teach these people because they're Gentiles. They don't know the scriptures. We're going to stay with them. We're going to invest in them. And, and then there was this very appealing characteristic that we see. They were so generous. We talked about last week. And, and this week, we get this other glimpse of the church. And here's what we see in them, okay? They were all about prayer. They were about fasting and they were about being obedient to the Spirit. And we come to realize today that all of that is essential for the church. Prayer, fasting, obedience to the Spirit are essential for the church. And I wondered, 
when that sentence would pop up on the screen today, what you would think and how you would feel. I wondered if I would be asking questions people aren't, or rather be answering questions people aren't asking. I, I, I wondered what you would be saying to yourself. Well, prayer, Rick, yeah, I pray. Fasting, I, I, don't, I don't do that really. Obedience to the Spirit, I don't, are you going back to like your friend who like felt like he shouldn't cancel the appointment, go to the baseball game, and so he, I don't know how much of that goes on in me. I don't know how tuned I am to the Spirit, but you're saying they're essential for the church. Well, I'm a member of the church. I wondered what you would think, what you would feel when you read these words with me today. I mean, when you, when you think about it, Jesus said, I'm going away, but it's okay. The Spirit is going to guide you. And so we see the Spirit guiding the church in Antioch, right? Is the Spirit guiding us today? Are we keeping in step with the Spirit? Are we praying? Is there any fasting going on? Are we living in obedience to the way the Spirit is leading us? As they were essential for the church in Antioch, are they essential for you and me today? So let me get you to chapter 13, okay? You might be saying, well, what happened to chapter 12? Because we were in chapter 11. So in chapter 11, we hear all about Antioch. Then when you get to chapter 12, you're reminded that the church is still being persecuted. That's what chapter 12 is about. Then when you get to chapter 13, which is where we'll pick up this morning, we go back to Antioch, okay? What we read in the last verse of chapter 12 is that Saul and Barnabas went off to take the gift to Jerusalem. You remember the gift, the offering they took up? Now, they're, now they've come back. So now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. We talked last week about the gift of prophecy as we see it in the New Testament. It was not uncommon for someone to have the gift of prophecy. It was under the inspiration of God. It often would talk about future events, but it would also give special instruction to the church. And then there were teachers. They were more focused on giving instruction about the scriptures and the teaching of Jesus. And here it gives the list. A very diverse group of people, by the way. Barnabas, we've been talking about him. Simeon, called Niger. Lucius of Cyrene. Manan, who had been brought up with, the Herod, with Herod the Tetrarch, a, a, a boyhood friend of the, of the king. And Saul who would later be referred to by Luke as Paul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Are you serious? I mean, Barnabas showed up early on and he's been kind of like our main leader, and then he goes to Tarsus, and he gets Saul, and Saul has been, they spent a whole year with us just teaching? You, you're saying you've got another job for, they're not, they can't stay here? And so after they prayed and fasted, or fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them, and they sent them off. So let's dive in, shall we? 
I've, I've been in a conversation for about three weeks with a friend. He, he's, he's a guy that I've known since he was in high school. And he's calling me because he's trying to make a decision, a, a life decision, a major decision. And, and, he, and he wants to make sure that he does what God wants him to do. And so it's an opportunity that's in front of him, and he's trying to decide whether or not God's wanting him to take the opportunity. And so as, as we're talking, I finally said to him one day, hey, why don't you just do this? Why, why don't you just walk away from the opportunity and say, I'm not taking the opportunity. I'm going to stay right here with the, the job I have now, and I'm, not, I'm just going to, I'm going to do this. Why, why don't you just do that? Why don't you just say that? Why don't you just turn it down and say, I'm staying right here? And there's a long pause. And when he answers, I can tell his voice is trying to crack. And he's probably got tears in his eyes. And he says, I've tried that and I can't. I said, that's what I thought. So you think maybe God's speaking to you. Yeah. I said, well, okay. I said, you got some good news here. If God's wanting you to do it, God will make it clear that that's what he wants you to do. That's on God. That's not on you. You don't have to create something. God will make sure you know what he wants you to do. And, and here's the other good news. God will make sure your wife knows too because he's not going to ask you to do one thing and ask your wife to do another. And I know that you both love the Lord so much that you're going to do what God wants you to do. So at this point, you just say, okay, God, we're all yours. Whatever you want, we'll do. And so what they're saying is we want, we want God to talk to us. So we start the conversation today talking about prayer and fasting, and the reason we often find ourselves in prayer and fasting is because, it's really simple, often we need to hear the voice of God. I can't tell you how many times I have conversations with people, and it's all about this right here. I don't know how many times people have made appointments and said, Rick, could we get lunch? Could I come to your office? Could we sit down and talk? Could I get a phone call? And it's all about this right here. I've got a job offer in front of me, and I don't know what I should do. Could we just talk about this? I need to hear the voice of God. I've got a family situation that I'm praying about, and I don't know what to do. This is, this is what I need right here. I need to hear the voice of God. I've got something going on in my life, and I don't know which step to take and which direction. It's all about this. I need to hear the voice of God. Often, we find ourselves in a position where we need to hear God speak. So I don't, I don't know where you stand in this conversation, but this is where I stand. You can take a lot of things away from me. But that is one thing you can't take away. I can't live without that. I can't tell you how often God speaks to me. Never been an audible voice. It's always a nudging. It's always an urging. I find myself many times saying, I hear you. You got it. You don't have to bring it up again. I'll, I, I hear you. I, I will do that. I will not do that. But, but isn't that the promise? I'm going away, but the Spirit is going to guide you? Isn't that what Jesus said? And, and I've lived my life watching people respond in obedience to the Spirit. And so, we pray and we fast because we need to hear the voice of God. So, this word used for prayer 
actually translated worship in that verse I read you a moment ago. It really means ministering. So it's the same word. You remember when in um, early on, uh, there's a story about Zachariah um, and Elizabeth, and, and they have a baby named John, but Zachariah is a priest and he's in the temple. It's the same word that's translated worship here. So it means to minister or to serve God, okay? So, so it's applied here using the word they worshiped and fasted, but it's kind of applied as worshiping, praying, serving God, fasting. The, the, the point is significant that prayer is service to God. We've been praying for the church. That's serving God. Thomas Chalmers, an old Scottish preacher who lived 175 years ago. Let me get his quote on the screen. He says, prayer, prayer does not enable us to do a greater work for God. He said, prayer is a greater work for God. And, and so when you and I find ourselves praying for the church, when we find ourselves praying, God, use us. That's, that's serving God. The, the, the interesting thing is that their prayer was accompanied by fasting. So what's fasting? Giving up something. Substituting that for prayer. I'm not going to eat lunch. Today I'm going to fast. Instead I'm going to pray. You give up other things. Instead of doing those things, I'm going to spend time in prayer. They're together. And you find it here that they gave up something, food, probably in this situation, to pray. They were worshiping and fasting. They were praying and fasting. You see it happen when they were called, but you also see it happening when they sent Paul and Barnabas off. They prayed and fasted before or as they sent them off. And, and, and I don't know all that I wish I knew, but here's what I do see in the Scripture and that is that when fasting is experienced, when it's practiced, it's often done when there is a sense of urgency. Rick, has it come to that? Is it urgent? The condition of the church in America today, is it, is it urgent? I think it's urgent. A few weeks ago, we all gathered around the altar here at the end of the service. And I remember thinking to myself, I think God loves this. I think God's looking down today saying, Pray. Pray. Pray, BFC. Pray. <clears throat> David Livingston was the great missionary to Africa. 
I, I remember hearing one of his quotes, and, and, um, and I loved it. it. It went like this. It was, um, um, the goal is not to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. And, and so since I read that quote, I, uh, I've been paying attention to whatever I, I breezed by that he said. And so I brought this with me today because it certainly applies. He said God had only one son, and he was a missionary. <laughs> he came to earth with some really good news that you and I could be right in our relationship with God. He came to share that. God had only one son. He was a missionary. And so it's at this point at the season in the life of the church at Antioch that God speaks. Because Jesus said, when I go away, the Spirit's going to be guiding you. And he asked them to release their two key leaders for missions. I want them to be missionaries. I read it to you a moment ago, but it says this, while they were worshiping the Lord, that's the word we believe includes serving God even in prayer and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And so, it would be tempting, if I was a member of the church at Antioch, Antioch First Church, I would say, well, we've got a lot of needs here in Antioch. I mean, these are essentially our pastors, and God's not done here. And there's a lot of people around us that need Jesus. I don't know why you have to send people off to I don't know where, when we've got lots going on right here in Antioch. Thriving Metropolis, 300,000 people, we're just reaching a small number right now when you think about percentages, sending money and missionaries off. And I think that's kind of where we live here at Bethany First Church. We somehow said we're not going to only focus on this community, but we can focus on other communities as well. We can focus on the Two Lakes community down the street, and we can focus on the southwestern Native American district over just out west, and we can focus even on the other side of the world in a country called Africa, I mean in a country called Eswatini in the continent of Africa. Yeah, there's lots to do here, but God is big. <laughs> and we see ourselves more as a funnel than a barrel. Amen. And so I think what it comes down to is this, and I think we're all looking for the to-do. It's obey when the leading of the Spirit without hesitation. I think that's what we do. When, when the Spirit leads, we've been praying. Have we been fasting? Is the Spirit leading? Then we obey. Let me show you the next verse. Here's what they did, okay? Next verse. Let me just put that on the screen for you. So after they had fasted and prayed, 
they placed their hands on them and sent them away. It was important to me a while ago to walk by the people who are going to be going that we're sending off on missions this summer and put my hand on them. In, in their world, it was a sign of blessing and it was also a commitment to God, of, of committing them to God for a specific task. Here, we're going to put our hands on them. We're going to bless them. They have a task. We're sending them off. And so I want you to see this picture of what happens. Because they obeyed, here's a picture of what happens, okay? Um, Antioch becomes this church where Paul leaves from for three missionary journeys, okay? He's taken the gospel all over the world. I mean, literally, all over the world. As they understood outside their world. To Gentiles, the gospel begins to spread. Church pops up here, 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 here. Everywhere it just begins to spread. It spreads like crazy. It's because the church at Antioch said, we'll share them. The Spirit speaking, we're going to obey the Spirit. And they sent them off. And it becomes this going and coming church. They show back up at Antioch. And let me show you this last verse. This is over in chapter 14. They take this massive trip where they plant lots of churches and they come back to Antioch. And on arriving there, meaning back home, they gathered the church together and they reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door to the faith, to rather door of faith to the Gentiles. We just got to tell you, every, you sent us off, you put your hands on us, you blessed us, you obeyed the Spirit, and let me just show you what God has been doing. All these months we've been gone traveling, God has just planted church after church after church, person after person has come to Jesus because you obeyed. So I've been, especially after last Sunday, praying, asking God, what, what, are, you, what are you saying to us? We talked about generosity, and, and somehow I've been looking around the world we live in right here, and I've been seeing needs in a way I haven't seen them before, and I've been saying, Lord, what, what, are, are you saying something? Are you speaking? If your spirit's leading, I want to listen, I want to be all ears, I want to hear what you say. What are you asking of us, Lord? Can, can I ask you to bow your heads with me? The general church is saying, tell us what God's saying to you. There's a, there's a website. We've been giving it to you in the e-newsletter. I'd love to hear what God's saying to you. I'd love for you to tell me. You can use your Connect card today to communicate with me. That's one way. But God, we're coming before you this morning. We've loved looking at this church in Antioch. Today we've been confronted with some challenging stuff. Convicting stuff. Maybe even hard stuff. And we find ourselves asking the question, how much are we like this church? 
We begin the series, Lord, by gathering around the altar, praying together. And it seems appropriate that we end the series praying another prayer. Knowing that we need your work in our hearts. And so would you pray this prayer with us this morning? You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.